Pull up in a new whip every other week. Dress so fly, everybody know me. Phone blowing up, all the press want to meet. Hold up, we're part of that press. Does that mean Shapa wrote a song about hotter? I mean, it is art, and therefore up to our interpretation. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Hold On To Your Racket, the podcast for Gen Z tennis fans. We're your hosts, Shravya and Josefina. Josefina and I are so excited to be creating this podcast and sharing our love for tennis with you all. Shravya and I are two high school gals and tennis fanatics united together by our on-the-court and off-the-court companionship. And we're the female Gen Z voices in modern-day tennis you've been looking for. So we hope you enjoy this episode and stay tuned for more. So today is April 27th, and we are recording our 56th episode, Drip Down in Madrid Town. So you might have noticed that title because there is this video of Felix Oger Aliassime, Felix, our bestie, dancing to Shabamalov's song, Drip. And it is so funny because, first of all, his dance moves, amazing. The best there is. And also just the fact that he's dancing to his best friend's song, amazing even better yeah i think um i woke up this morning i opened the twitter app and it is pretty much the first thing that i see uh (laughs) i think it was the twitter user handle at tennis things who posted it it was hilarious and then you sent Um, it to me immediately i sent it to josephina immediately and she we both found it so funny i think we actually like sent each other like a reaction pic of each of us like laughing at how funny the and we only was. do that when it's a big deal so just exactly. for reference exactly we took time out of our out of our school days to you know do this and <laughs> for the entire rest of the day we kept re-watching the video so singing good. the lyrics texting the lyrics to each other that song is such a meme and it honestly just came out of nowhere again but I'm not complaining. It's a, it's quite the bop, if I do say so myself. Oh, definitely. And then not only By that... By tennis player standards. Yeah. And not only that, but can we talk about how many birthdays there are today? I mean, we have... Yes! Oh, yeah. We have Kyrgios. We have, like, one of our favorite pop culture icons, Lizzo. And then this other, like, you know, celebrity crush we both, like... Yeah, it's also Josephina's latest celebrity crush's birthday. Yes. Uh, what's his name? Froy Gutierrez. Yes, that is that is him. <laughs> All right, you can you can search that up on your own volition. But speaking of Nick Kyrgios's birthday, oh it was all God. going fine in perfect Nick Kyrgios fashion. Him reposting every single birthday post that he got, <laughs> and then all of a sudden he posts something about being compared to Bernard Tomic and how he was so disappointed about that because nick curios is so much better than tom has a foundation he has a foundation that he would loves to you know mention um he also kind of chided tomic and his girlfriend for having an OnlyFans, which is like not something to really make fun of someone about but okay um so quite the 26th birthday for him and (laughs) on that note let's go into recapping some of the actual tennis action from last week so the tournament that i think that uh the tournaments that most people were keeping an eye on were uh barcelona 
Um, we had Stuttgart, we had Belgrade, and then we had Istanbul. So starting off with Barcelona, which was the ATP 500 event, the champion was the king of clay himself, Rafael Nadal, but he did not have an easy path to the title. Um, checking back in with our predictions, I did predict Nadal to win. I was getting kind of nervous in the first few rounds, though, because he did have a couple three-set matches, including one against Nishikori. He was, you know... N- Close to defeat in the final as well, where he defeated Stefano Tsitsipas 6-4-6-7-7-5 in the most thrilling match I've ever seen. I remember being on, um, watching the match and having Twitter open at the same time, and I was, it was the same time as the Belgrade final. So people on two ends were going crazy. There were the one side of people who were, you know, Raw fans and also Steph fans, <laughs> and then there was the Mateo and Aslan fans fewer of us but you know people were paying attention to different finals they ended it around the same time so you can tell you can only imagine what the as stressful energy was like then um but i mean this was quite the match as i said that he saved a championship point at four five in the third set it was a three hour and 40 minute match um and this is rafa's 12th barcelona title 61st title on clay the court that he won on is named after him. And they have a fun tradition in Barcelona where actually the champion yep. jumps into the pool <laughs> after they win. And usually the ball kids jump in with them. Um, but obviously due to COVID, that couldn't happen this year. But you could tell Rafa was very happy to be jumping into that pool for the 12th time. I just think when I was watching the video, I was like, isn't that a little awkward without the ball people? <laughs> like, everybody was just clapping for him when he's, like, barely wearing any clothes because he had to strip to get into the pool. <laughs> and then they're just clapping, clapping, clapping. And then he just jumps in, and then there's a guy waiting for him when he gets out 0.2 seconds later with a towel. <laughs> I just thought it was funny. And then what you were saying before about the fact that the match was three hours and 40 minutes long, they even set like a record that the championship match was the longest best of three ATP tour final since statistics started being tracked in 1991. So also another like barrier broken there. And then Nadal said about the match, for me, the simple fact of being able to play in Barcelona after last year's tournament wasn't held means a lot to me. So we are seeing a lot of tournaments being skipped. Indian Wells, oh my god. What is it? This Last is, time yeah. Indian Wells happened was when Dennis Shapovalov rapped on court. So. And since then, what have we seen? <laughs> <laughs> People are missing his rapping. They need to bring back Indian Wells, clearly. Obviously. So then we had my prediction, Fabio Fognini's. <laughs> well, that my predictions either go very right or very wrong. So case in point, Daniil Medvedev, Nito ATP Finals, Stan Wawrinka, Australian <laughs> Open. <laughs> yeah. So Fabio actually got defaulted in the round of sixteen, and there was some controversy surrounding that since he did claim that he was not rightfully accused, saying, "I quote." I paid for something I didn't do. So what happened was that Fognini was called for a footfall and later the umpire ejected Fognini from the match for apparent verbal abuse towards the linesman that called his footfall. So it's like very iffy. Yeah, and also there's some controversy there too because um, last that I was hearing, there's no available camera footage for what actually happened. Uh, So no one really knows exactly what went on. Um, I will say though, in my opinion, there are some weird double standards here. I mean, Benoit Paire has done some pretty crappy stuff on court over the past few months, like spitting on court, cursing at umpires, basically tanking matches. 
Um, and, you know, he hasn't really had to face any consequences like a default before. Um, and I would argue that that's worse than, you know, maybe what Fognini did. Fognini is also not known for being the most sort of composed guy on court or having the best mannerisms on court. Um, but I just think that, you know, that double standard is something to consider. Um, and yeah, as you were saying, Fabio continues to rest his case and say that he did nothing wrong. Um, and I believe he did say that he's not going to really let that slide because, you know, it's a, it's a big deal for him. So we'll see how that issue evolves further. Yeah, I saw something about, like, putting it to some sort of trial, like, player counsel thing. Yeah, 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 yeah same. He's ready to argue it. So, actually, in this tournament, we have some notable players, especially Yannick Sinner. We always love to talk about him. He made it to the semifinals. Definitely impressive. This is an ATP 500, like we were saying before, where he lost to Stefano Tsitsipas. And en route, Yannick Sinner defeated the 17th, 5th, and 3rd seed to, like, the semifinal. That's amazing. And also, he defeated Andre Rublev, the 3rd seed in question, 6-2-7-6. He defeated Andre Rublev in, in ATP 500 in two sets, in straight sets. I want to say, before we move on to the next tournament, just to talk about Stefano Tsitsipas for a little bit, because he just came off of Monte Carlo so close to winning Barcelona as well. I mean, he really pushed Rafa, and he really did take that loss bitterly. I mean, he knew that that was a match he could have won. It could have gone either way. Stefanos is really looking like the biggest clay threat for Nadal going into Roland Garros right now, especially because... Um, you know, he's been keeping up the consistency. He did well there last year, too. Dominic Team is kind of MIA. And then, you know, Djokovic is there. But remember that five-setter Djokovic and Tsitsipas played in the Roland Garros semis? Tsitsipas was very close to winning that match as well. So and he's I only improved since then. Exactly. I think it's going to be really... And he has this confidence going for him. I mean, getting his Masters title there at Monte Carlo. So I think that's impressive. And then again, Andre Rublev... I bring this up often, but Josephine, I remember you said near the beginning of the season, Rublev has been the king of ATP 500s, but we don't know if he can always bring it sort of at the higher levels um, more than that. But hey, he's been, you know, he made the Monte Carlo finals. He made a very good run at Barcelona again, so it's nice to see him making inroads as well. And Yannick, he also gave Nadal probably the most trouble out of anyone at Roland Garros last year, Mm -hmm. uh, especially in that first set, I remember, of their match. So I think it's really nice to see these guys able to consistently bring their game after having great runs in Miami, like for Yannick and then Monte Carlo for Tsitsipas and Rublev. For sure. So next up, we have Belgrade in ATP 250, and our champion is, in fact, Matteo Berrettini. (laughs) Shravia could not be happier, and honestly, since it's kind of like a joint thing, I also am super happy for him. Oh, that's so sweet of you to say. In terms of our predictions, I predicted Djokovic to win. I mean, my personal favorite was Matteo, but let's talk about Djokovic. We'll say it counts. We'll say it counts, though. I guess. I, I, yeah, I guess. Um, Djokovic was defeated by Aslan Karatsev, who we're going to talk about in just a sec. 7-5-4-6-6-4 in the semifinals in 3 hours and 27 minutes. So this was before the Barcelona final. And when this match happened, it broke the record for the longest ATP main draw match of the year. I believe 
I'm not sure if it was overall or just in three sets, but it broke some sort of length record. And then just a day later, the Barcelona um, match broke that record again at the three hours and 40 minute mark. But what's also interesting about this match is that this was the most number of breakpoints saved in a match. Um, 23. 23, yeah. 23 out of 28. Aslan saved 23 out of 28 breakpoints in this match. That's the most that anyone has ever saved against Djokovic. Um, so this guy, even after dropping the second set where he was up a break, Karatsev regrouped and, you know, got back into it and really, you know, dug his heels in to beat Djokovic on home soil, literally at his, like, on his court. They named because, after him. Exactly. I mean, that's just amazing for Oslan, I would say. And uh, Djokovic, after the match, was frustrated, and he was like, you know, at the, I got to give credit to Karatsev, but at this point for me, my focus is more on the Grand Slams, which I get. Um, but also, I just think it's interesting to draw a parallel with someone like Nadal, who, you know, as Josefina pointed out with the quote, is so values like these small tournaments just as much, you know, playing in Barcelona, which is his home tournament, and he puts that same competitive spirit in them as the Grand Slams, and, you know, Federer with his love for <laughs> the tournament where he was a ball boy at, which he always talks about, but then Djokovic, no, I forgot. yeah, I'm not sure, um, or maybe it was Halle. Um, but Mm-mm. then you see someone like Djokovic who, you know, doesn't have that same attitude. Yeah, it's just a matter of respect, honestly. Like, tournament directors and so many people work to put these tournaments together. They shouldn't be thrown aside, and they also count almost just as much as the Grand Slams. So my prediction was actually Ozan Karatsev, and he did make it to the final, like we were saying. And just... Like Shravi was saying, he defeated Novak Djokovic on home soil. Like, that in itself is insane. And he's just had an incredibly stellar year with one, one title, making the Australian Open semifinals. Just crazy. And he literally came out of nowhere. Like, yes, he was working his way up with the challengers last year. But on the tour level, he really did come out of nowhere. And it's yeah, crazy how someone done. can make a comeback so late in their career. Not even a comeback, just a rise up because he never like yeah. had this success before. Yeah. In the final match, which won, you know, two of the biggest hitters on the ATP tour uh, with Berrettini and Karatsev. Berrettini, as we said, did end up winning 6-1, 3-6, 7-6, and the tiebreak score was 7-0. So he came in clutch when he needed to. So that was his fourth title. Um, and this was his first final since 2019, and we've covered plenty about his flop era. Um, I've done my best to keep him as a topic of conversation on the podcast, even when he was losing a lot. But as we said, you know, like, he had that great run in Australia, then he got injured, which was really sad. This was, you know, his first match back in Monte Carlo. He lost. He came into this 250 event. Just wanted to build some confidence, he said, at the beginning of the event. And then he ended up winning the whole thing, which I think is amazing. Um, this was also the first time his parents have seen him win a title in person. So he dedicated his trophy to his family, which I thought was really sweet. Um, and <laughs> there's a really funny clip when he was holding the trophy during his um, during his speech. He was like, Mamma Mia, my arm is sore. And I was like, oh my god, Italian people actually say Mamma Mia. I did not know that. Um, but that was really amazing. And... The only other thing I'll add is, like, 
I was so happy. It's one thing to, you know, we have our favorite as Roger Federer or, like, these big guys who are, like, you know, consistently playing well. For me, Berrettini is someone who hasn't been playing well over the past year or so and then really only just started picking a stride back up again. To see him do great was honestly heartwarming. It, it honestly feels relieving as a tennis fan to see your fave do so well. <laughs> My mom the entire weekend was like, Shravya, it's an ATP 250 event. You can calm down. I was like, I know, but it just means so much to me. And you can see it meant a lot to him too. So um, really happy to see that. Moving on to the WTA, we had Stuttgart. This was a tournament I always look forward to. This is the Porsche Grand Prix. The winner wins a Porsche, which I think is pretty cool. Uh, WTA 500 event, and the champion was Ash Barty. Um, let's go over our predictions. So my prediction was Petra Kvitova, who was the defending champion going into this. Honestly, she was close. She lost in the quarterfinals to Alina Svitolina 6-7, 7-5, 6-2. Uh, that was Svitolina's score. Um, and Kvitova was up 5-2 in the second set and had match points. So I was really sad to see her out. I know Petra fans were all really sad after that match. Um, because aside from her just being my prediction to win, Petra is a player that Josefina and I really do like. Yeah. And then my prediction was Ashley Barty. I mean, Ashley has been coming through for me she's been pulling through yeah yeah because i predicted her for um the for miami and she got it and now she does this one in stuttgart like thank you (laughs) she defeated arena sabalenka three six six zero six three and Barty said, Tennis is a strange sport at times, even though you could be a set down. I didn't feel I was very far off. I had a couple of break points and opportunities myself. You take one or two of those, and it's a completely different ball game. So really highlighting taking that match one step at a time and really building her way up, it really showcases her mental fortitude when it comes to playing. Yeah, speaking of that mental fortitude, she's had she had quite a few matches in this tournament where she lost the first set and then ended up winning the whole match. And she did that a couple times in Miami as well, or uh, you know, or sometimes you know it, it would go to three sets quite a few times. I think a lot of that is also because she's still finding her groove back. Um, but clearly, that doesn't phase her. And as you said, she has some really top notch mental strength. It's really admirable to see. And she has, she's like, it shows because she has a tour leading three tournaments this season under her belt. And she has 11 singles titles now with this one added. And this is her second clay title next to her 2019 French Open title. So that's really cool for her. It's obviously a Barty party up in here. It was her birthday. When she played the semifinal, it was her birthday. Okay, uh, I did not know that. that It's been a crazy birthday week. We've had so exactly. many birthdays. And not only did she win the singles title, she won the doubles title at uh, Stuttgart with, with Jennifer, Jennifer Brady, Brady as well. And it was so funny because they were uh, their opponents in the final were Bethany Maddox-Sands and Desiree Kravchek. And afterwards, their opponents said to Ash, Ash, you got to save some for us. You're taking all the prize money and the car, um, which I thought was really funny. Um, but yeah, Ash, I mean, I love it's. I don't understand the Ash Barty uh, hate that she gets. I mean, she's literally the best. I really love her. People are just salty that she's holding on to the world number one ranking. That's nothing of her fault. That's the pandemic ranking system. And she has clearly shown in 
in the past few months that she deserves to be in that spot. Exactly. Yes, Shravya, preach. <laughs> so, next up and last up, we have Istanbul, the WTA 250, where our champion was Serana Kirstea, and our predictions were Shravya said that Elise Mertens would win, and she was, in fact, a finalist. And I said that Veronica Kudermatova would win, and she was a semifinalist, actually, and she lost to Mertens. So, not a bad pick on my part. I have my reasoning that doesn't really make sense, so I'm not going to go into that. <laughs> um, yeah, so Kirstia defeated Mertens 6-1-7-6 in the final. This was her second WTA title, and her first since her maiden title in 2018. 2008, sorry, uh, in Tashkent, and she won that when she was 18 years old. So it's been a long time coming for Kirstea. She did have some ITF success towards the end of last year. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's our roundup for the action last week. Um, now let's dive into what we're going to be seeing this week. All right. So the main tournament we're going to be talking about this week is Madrid. The Mutua Madrid Open, which is a WTA 1000 event. We're super excited about this. The ATP portion of the event is going to be starting a little bit later. uh, But the draws of the WTA event uh, just got released today. So we're going to dive into those. Um... We have our defending champion from 2019 as Kiki Burtons, who we actually haven't seen in a while. Um, We're going to talk about her in just a bit. But our top seeds otherwise are in order. Ash Barty, Naomi Osaka, Simona Halep, Alina Svitolina, Arena Sabalenka, Karolina Pliskova, Kiki Burtons, and Belinda Bencic. So in Barty's quarter, we have Barty playing her first round match against Shelby Rogers, actually. They've played three times this year and Barty leads their overall head-to-head four to zero and like we've been seeing Ashley has really been showing up this year with three titles already and Miami Stuttgart and another one in Australia and she's probably the favorite to win this tournament also she's the first seed and then we have Iga Swiatek, the French Open champion, and she did not play in Stuttgart because she wanted more time to prepare for this tournament, so we'll see if it pays off. I think it's really interesting because Barty and Iga are kind of like the two, uh, you know, um, past Roland Garros champions of, you know, 2020 and 2019. Uh, it seems like we will be seeing a barty Shwiatek round of 16 match anyways. Um, so that'll be really interesting because we've seen Barty do well on the clay already this year in Stuttgart. Um, I have heard that that clay is a little bit different than the one we see at Roland Garros, for example. It's a bit faster. Um, so wondering if that will play any difference. But either way, Barty's been pretty dominant this year. We haven't seen Iga on clay yet. Um, but I'm going to be really interested to see that match and see who uh, comes through if that match does end up happening, which it seems likely that it will. And then the other section of this quarter has Kvitova and Kiki Burns. So Burns is coming back from injury, so we're definitely unsure about her performance is going to be. Clay has always been her favorite surface, but this season has been rough for her. She started off the season with a three-match losing streak, did not play the Australian Open, and got her first win of the season just a couple weeks ago at the Billie Jean King Cup. So not exactly sure if Burton's is going to be you know, in form here or if she'll even be a force to be reckoned with in the draw. Um, but on the other hand, we do have Petra Kvitova, who has been doing pretty decently this season. Yeah, like we were just talking about, she lost in the Stuttgart quarterfinals to 
Svitolina after having match points, so definitely a tough loss. But the fact that she had those match points and had the potential to win and get through there, um, she was definitely playing well, and it could be a possible um, person to account for here. And some other dark horses who could make a run to the quarters here include Von Drusova, who was last year's Rome semifinalist, so definitely showing up on clay, and Kudir Mitova, who was the Charleston champion just now and made it to the Istanbul semifinals. She was on a nine-match winning streak on clay until losing to Elise Mertens in Istanbul, so she has definitely shown her power on clay this season. Maybe it'll come back. It definitely shows her potential, the fact that she had nine matches in a row. Yeah, I definitely think that Vondrosova and Kurtimatova could pose some challenges there, especially since Kiki Burton's leaves part of the draw kind of open um, because, you know, it doesn't. she doesn't seem to be in full form as she maybe would like to be. Um, moving into the next quarter, we have Alina Svitolina's quarter. She had the great runs, the Miami semifinals and the Stuttgart semifinals. We know that she really loves the clay, and she, looking at her section of the draw looks pretty poised to make the quarterfinals. The only seated in, seated player in her side of the quarter is Johanna Kanta, and Kanta has not been in great form this season either. She has a 2-4 to four win-loss record. So I think we could be seeing Svitolina in the quarters, and she seems to be building up her confidence since maybe a subpar performance last season or at the start of this season. She is seeming to kind of find her game again a bit more, so it's going to be interesting to see if she can make inroads in Madrid. And then another part of the quarter where we see some action is Sloane Stevens versus Garbina Muguruza first round. <laughs> so the winner will probably play Onjibor, another great match if she wins her first round match. And then Bencic, the eighth seed, is also part of Svitolina's quarter too. So definitely some clash here for sure. It's just so, action packed. So you have two Grand Slam champions playing in the first round of this tournament. It's insane. Um, yeah. But yeah. So then we have Halep's quarter. Simona Halep did make the Stuttgart semifinals, but she faces Sarah Cerebus <laughs> Tormo in the first round. SST is back, guys. She is back, and I don't think she's going to be messing around here playing Halep. <laughs> Uh, she'll probably win the whole title. <laughs> Watch it happen. Josephine, am I hearing you picking Cerebus Tormo as your champion pick for this entire tournament? Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> I didn't say I would be making the full commitment here, okay? <laughs> <laughs> so this is the match of the ultimate pushers. So definitely talking about playing style here, it's going to be a fun match. <laughs> she said that totally seriously. Totally. Um, I know, yeah. I know there was... Sarah Cerebus Torma played Sara Arani in a match a few weeks ago, which was probably the ultimate matchup of pushers on the tour right now. So I think that Halep SST might not live up to that as much, but I personally don't think it's going to be that interesting to watch. But do we think that SST can pull off the upset? I mean, Halep did lose to Sabalenka just last week where, you know... She is a Halep is a pretty poised clay court player, but what do you think? I mean, Sarah Cerebus Torma has been having a pretty good season. I mean, it's true, but was it a fluke or was it not? I guess we'll learn here. But either way, um, Simona Halep could face Elise Mertens in the round of sixteen, who just made the Istanbul finals. 
But Simona is definitely the stronger player of the two when it comes to her versus Tormo. So she has a good shot of reaching the quarterfinals here. But that's where it gets tricky. Yeah, so if Hala passes the Mertens and... Sorry, passes the Cerebus Tormo and the Mertens tests, Arena Sabalenka lies on the other side of this quarter. And Arena Sabalenka is not messing around this year. Um, she is, as we've been talking about for the past couple of months, looking in amazing form. She did just beat Hala in straight sets in Stuttgart, so we could see a deep clay court, ra- clay court run from Sabalenka, which I think would be really interesting. She does have some tricky players in her section, a possible round or a probable round two match versus Kazakina. Um, And then we also have an interesting little segment of this section of the draw where we have the winner of Jessica Pegula versus Serana Kirstea, who just won in Istanbul, playing the winner of Ekaterina Alexandrova and Victoria Azarenka. And then the winner of that match is probably going to be Sabalenka's round of 16 opponents. So that's definitely a challenge, but I really do think that Sabalenka is one of those players to beat these past few months. She's certainly on fire. She looks poised to even make it to the semis if she's able to take a hell up again. So I think that we should be keeping an eye out for Sabalenka. Even though we talk about her as a big hitter, she clearly showed that she can bring that upset potential and that ability to make deep runs even on the clay. So our next quarter is Osaka, and where Naomi Osaka, like we were talking about a couple of episodes ago, her 23-match winning streak was ended in Madrid when Maria Sakari beat her. So she does not have that going for her when coming into this tournament, and she hasn't cl- touched clay in two years, and it's not her strongest <laughs> she surface. She said that. She said know. that herself that she hasn't touched clay in two years. That is kind of problematic (laughs) just a little bit but um, then again she is Naomi Osaka she took some time to reset after Miami you know taking time to train and focus on what she needs to do to get her best result here I guess and she got to the quarterfinals here actually in 2019 here as in Matua Madrid (laughs) and unfortunately she's got Maria Sakari in her section of the draw, possible round of 16. And Sakari has a difficult round one versus Anisimova, though, the French Open 2019 semifinalist. But still, are we going to see an Osaka Sakari rematch? I mean, 23 match winning streak ended. That's like a big feat for Maria. Yeah, no, I think it'll also be interesting to see that on clay, um, to see how Osaka handles that should that matchup occur. Um, but. We, I mean, the top half of this quarter is personally what I think is the spiciest section of this draw. Maybe only after the uh, little Jabour, Muguruza, Sloane Stevens area. <laughs> yeah. Um, but this is Pliskova's section. So, <laughs> notable round one matches here. We've got Carolina Pliskova versus Coco Goff. Now, oh. a very funny thing to note here is that Coco was actually practicing with Jessica Pagula today, who, as we know, has been on a Carolina Pliskova elimination streak this year. So, if you need to She's take just a care- absorbing those Pliskova losing vibes. <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, Coco Goff, smart young woman right there, choosing Jessica Pagula to practice <laughs> Yeah, she with knows it. how to get it done. <laughs> yeah, I can only imagine, like, when they're sitting down, Jessica going up to her and being like, listen... Coco, here's what you gotta do. You gotta trust me on this. I beat this girl so many times this year, and Coco's just absorbing it all in, taking I'm practically all that energy. an expert. 
Imagine like Carolina Pliskova like looking at the practice schedule she's on like, her phone oh, and she sees no. <laughs> she sees Coco practicing with Jessica. She's like, "Oh my god, I am done for." Maybe it's mind <laughs> games. Part of it could be mind games and I think that's actually smart. Yeah. You know? That manipulation is elite. This Jessica Pagula girl has something on Pliskova. Um, but anyways, another crazy round one match is Venus Williams versus Jennifer Brady. What the heck? Stop. Venus this Williams. is actually going to make me cry. Like- no, literally this is pitting faves against each other. Um, Venus did get a wild card in this tournament. Um, Clay isn't Jen's best surface. Venus could have a shot here. Honestly, if Venus... I mean... I am all for Venus making a deep run and winning a title again whenever possible. Same thing for Jennifer. So I'm just going to be... This is one of those matches where, like, I feel like I don't want the person to win and then lose in the second round, you know? Because then I'm like, well, then why did Venus have to lose in the first round? Or why did Jen have to lose in the first round? You know what I mean? Yeah. So praying that that's a good match. Um, And I honestly would love for Venus to have a nice breakthrough. Uh, back on, you know, getting into the winner's circle a bit. But that's a that's a spicy section of the draw, if I do say so myself. Let's move into our predictions to wrap up our discussion of Mutua Madrid. Um, champ predictions. I am the basicest person we know <laughs> when it comes to predictions. But hey, I did pretty decent last week. Nadal won. Mertens got to the final. You know, like if you if you know what I mean, I think it was a pretty okay oh week in goodness, the office. Oh my goodness! Wait, me. and then um, uh, what's it? Oh my god! Oh my god! Barty won, and Karatsev made it to the final. Oh my so god! We had all four tournaments down. Oh wow! Wow! That is We're good. good. And then and then a bonus a bonus is that my personal fave Mateo won Belgrade, and your personal fave, who was also your pick to win. Ash Barty won Stuttgart. One, yeah, last wow. week was awesome for us, wow. if I do say so myself. Oh, but for yeah, sure. my champ prediction is Ash Barty. I think that she's been doing great on the clay this year. Um, I think that you know, just picking the pick who's. I mean, she's the favorite to win. I think that she's gonna. You know, she's so strong on the clay. Um, I think she's the player going in with the most confidence into this. And what I think has been most impressive about her is what you were talking about before, her mental fortitude. I mean, she's been taking out top-notch players, tough matches from difficult positions, um, all thanks to her mental strength. And she's a very smart and adaptable player. And she's shown that with her title runs in these past couple of weeks. So that is why I am picking Miss Ashley Barty to take the Mutua Madrid Open title. So at first, I was going to pick Naomi Osaka. And then I found out that she hasn't touched Clay in two years. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm also going to go with the classic, yet basic pick. I'm going to go with Barty. I mean, like we were talking about before, she came through for me for Miami and Stuttgart. Every time I've predicted her, she has done me some good favors. So let's see if she could do it now. I don't know if Shravi's like pick also will taint this little I know. running streak we have. I picked, but- yeah, I picked Ash Barty to win, that she would win the Australian Open, and she lost in the semis, which is close, but you know, I mean, it was kind of obvious close, that she would but, get to the semis. What is it? Close, but no, no cigar. cigar. Yeah. yeah. Um, but hey, I don't know if you guys can tell, but I'm feeling pretty 
you know, pretty special that Josefina picked the same pick as I did. I think that's pretty exciting for me. Um, in terms of personal favorites to win the tournament, if you haven't, t- like, you know, realized already, at least for me specifically, I think this was, like, a few tournaments ago. I think this was... Miami, where I listed like 10 favorite players who I want to win. Yeah. At least on the ATP side. We've gotten I, better since then. And I'm, I'm the same with the WTA. I have a lot of favorite players, but if I'm going to pick one personal fave, I'm picking my ultimate favorite, which is Naomi Osaka. She hasn't touched clay in two years. She's been known as the queen of the hard courts. I think Clayomi season is upon us. And I need it to happen. I need her to have an amazing natural services season on the clay and the grass. And that starts at Mutua Madrid. So that's why she's my personal favorite to win the whole thing. So my personal favorite is not my favorite player in the draw, like, whatsoever. I just, I would get such a good laugh if she won the whole tournament. Sarah Cerebus Tormo, if you're listening to this, I need you to win just for the sake of irony. Please. My I mean my I need it. This is better than your Belgrade personal favorite to win. You picked Sebastian Corda as your <laughs> personal favorite lost. to win after he lost. So at least Sarah is still in the draw. I mean we'll see how she does against Halep, but for your sake I'll be rooting for Sarah in that match as well. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> All right, that wraps up our discussion of the Mutua Madrid Open. Um, we're super excited. I feel like um, it's been a while since the WTA tournaments have gotten the full attention that they deserve in the tennis world. I think we've this hyped week- it up sufficiently in this episode. I hope so because you know we've got a couple of ATP two fifties, but eh, it's it's yeah. it's the WTA it's here. Mutua Madrid. It's, the focus this is, where, is this here. Is dr- this this is where the drip down is in Madrid Town. Oh, so good. Thank you so much for joining us, and that is game, set, and match for today. If you like this episode, please let us know and stay tuned for more. We'll be providing you all coverage of tournaments this week, and of course, all the tea on tour. Email us at holdontoyourracket at gmail.com for any questions, and leave a rating on whatever platform you're listening on. Hold On To Your Racket is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Follow us on social media at Hold On To Your Racket on Instagram and at H-O-T-Y-R underscore Tennis Pod on Twitter. Our next episode will be released next Wednesday where we check in on the WTA and ATP action in Madrid. And remember, my name is Josefina. And my name is Shravia. And if you enjoyed this episode, make sure to hold on to your racket until next time. <laughs>